Hi and welcome back to the Happiness Safari podcast. I'm Nadine, I'm your host and I'm here to guide you to connect to who you really are through yoga and coaching so you don't have to feel lost or lonely anymore but are empowered to create the life of your dreams. Today I welcome you from beautiful Portugal. I'm back in Lagos at my happy place and I hope to meet some of you here um, during my yoga classes or you can come for a visit and try out the digital nomad lifestyle. And I'm also talking to a digital nomad on the podcast. Mish is the founder of One Way Nomad and building a community of remote workers who choose to live a location-independent lifestyle. She has been nomading across the globe for the last eight years and has picked up many stories along the way she's going to share with us as well. She joined the Conscious Community in 2015 when she began to explore breathwork, yoga and meditation in New Zealand. She attended four ayahuasca ceremonies in Peru and has recently been called to mushrooms and she's also sharing her story with mushrooms with us. Through this wild journey she has been working with her newly found psychic gifts and offering private medium readings connecting the spiritual world with the physical world. Misha and I speak about her journey and how she traveled to 30 countries before she turned 30. We speak about mental health and how psychedelics could help her with her depression. From today's episode, you will learn why you should travel the world, why this moment will never be the same, why happiness is about what you make of the circumstances around you, why Americans don't want to travel, why we often try to find the negative, why consuming goods is not making you happy, how you can be in the present moment why we all here for purpose and why loneliness is your superpower. Misha has such a loving, inspiring personality. She is very, very happy and I'm sure you will enjoy this interview and her energy. So sit back or go for work and just have fun with the interview. Hi Misha, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm fantastic. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Happy you made the time. And uh, yeah, you are in Boston right now. Uh, I know, but uh, you've been actually yeah traveling for the past eight years. And so I know you have a super interesting journey. And uh, yeah, I would love you to share with the listeners where it started and maybe also why you started that, that journey in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, 2014, I was graduating from college with my bachelor's degree in psychology and sociology. And at the time, I just thought, I don't want to go into the workforce. I don't want a nine to five. I don't want to do the the structure. And um, funny enough, I had I had never left the United States before. We had always, as a family, visited places like Disney World or Virginia Beach or Myrtle Beach. And I very naively looked at a map of the world and wanted to know where the furthest place was from home because I wanted to know if I could challenge myself and put myself in a place where I couldn't go home if it got hard. 
So if you look at a map, a traditional map, where you have the Eastern and Western Hemisphere, um, the United States being the Eastern, Europe being the Western, the furthest place from Boston is a little little island called New Zealand. Um, I knew nothing about New Zealand at the time. I just knew it was the furthest place from home. Uh, so I found a job as a nanny uh, at Au Pair, mm-hmm. and I left for New Zealand uh, first first time outside the U.S. I lived there for a year. And then after that, I just knew traveling was my purpose. I knew it was a part of my identity. I made it a mission to travel as much as possible. Um, And then from there, I just wanted to do anything travel related. I became a travel agent. I became a uh, tour consultant. Um, I then wanted to travel and work. So I started becoming an English teacher in places like Thailand or worked in a hotel in the middle of the jungle in Malaysia. Um, And then recently in the past two years became a digital nomad. So just this constant need to travel. So now I work online and I have the opportunity to travel full time. And then this year I officially made the leap where I am, I opened my own business where essentially I'm helping people secure remote careers and helping them travel like I do. Um, So my entire life has just been about exploring the globe and as of last November, which was my 30th birthday, I wanted to complete 30 countries before 30. Um, <laughs> so I was able to accomplish that. Colombia was my 30th country. And yeah, the past eight years has just all been related to travel and seeing as much of the world as possible. Wow. <laughs> so first of all, congratulations. That would have been my yeah. first question. So how many yeah. countries have you been to? <laughs> nice. And yeah. I do think, yeah, that's very impressive in eight years, actually, because I know, I mean, there's a crazy number. Do you know the statistics? How many um, percentage of Americans never left uh, the States? Or how many don't even have a passport, right? Yeah, it's something crazy. Like, I think, I think only like 30 to 40 percent of U.S citizens have a passport and like 20% actually use that passport, which I, I mean, that's my clientele, like that Americans who, you know, we, we have in a huge country. I mean, this country is the size of Europe and Europe is consisting of 30 plus countries in itself. So, um, I mean, there is this emphasis to stay in the United States, both by like the media and also by like just generational, you know, interest. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, Americans need to get out of the U.S. We need, they need to see more of the world and understanding that this world is enormous and uh, the United States is just a small, small, uh, you know, small place in comparison to the entire globe. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, Because, yeah, it's crazy. Actually, you are so fortunate. Like you have this passport, you could travel, right? I think there are so many countries in the world, they can travel maybe to two other countries. And that's it, right? And you need a visa to go anywhere. So and yeah, you have the privilege. But then on the other side, it is, I mean, just a big country, but also very beautiful country and a very diverse country. So you do have everything from the sea to the mountains to the desert to like everything in one country. So to explore nature you don't really have to go but then to explore other cultures um yeah and and then you have so much also I mean so many people coming to the states right you have all the I mean restaurants and food and 
But yeah. And then on the other side, you're also influencing the world so much by everything you do. Like all the stuff really comes from America. Whatever works in America is everywhere else in the world. But then, yeah, you actually... Well, lots of Americans don't actually know what's what's happening outside this country. Yeah, very interesting. So, um, so many questions. What's your biggest learning from leaving the States? Like something you didn't know and you didn't think before? I learned so much. I mean, when I say I was so naive about the world, I was so naive. Like even going to New Zealand, I had never heard of this country of New Zealand before, before I even got there. Um, I had no idea what the native language was. I had no idea what the native culture was. And it's just so interesting because for four years, I mean, I'm studying sociology, I'm studying social structures, I'm understanding um, the psychology of social systems. And I mean, the focus was on American social systems. I'm not necessarily even branching out to international social systems. And so I think it really was a great stepping stone to go to a country like New Zealand, which is still English speaking. It's still, you know, first world. And mm -hmm. the cultures are very similar. I think, you know, the the culture shock truly comes when you go to places like, you know, Cambodia or Laos or, you know, some of the highlands of like Mexico, for instance, mm -hmm. where you are you are dealing with people who are in a social system entirely different from yours, food that is entirely different, um, way of life, way of thinking. Um, I mean, to be very fair, the experiences that I've had have made me so much more humble because I think in America, there's this I noticed this because I'm home and because I'm American, but there's this sense of just always complaining. And there's this sense of like, we're always trying to look for someone else to kind of empathize and sympathize with us, which is fine from like a, you know, mental health, which is lovely. But if only these people saw how happy and content people are in these small villages in parts of the globe that They don't have access to half the things that we have in the United mm -hmm. States, but they're so happy. And I think that's that was something that really made me humble and really understand that, you know, happiness really is about what you make of the circumstances around you. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I truly I mean, it, it was such a beautiful experience to be able to integrate myself into these places that are just so different but just so much more enjoyable, more, yeah, happier. And it, it was, it was a very, it was a very interesting experience to be able to put myself in a new environment, completely new environment. Mm. And know that there was people taking care of me that were complete strangers. And I thought that was a really, really, really humbling, really humbling. Yeah. Yeah. Thing. Hmm. Wow, definitely. Yeah, beautiful learning so that people are actually also happier with much less than 
than we have, like where we live. And I think the US is very similar to, I mean, at least Germany. I can speak from Germany because I'm German, but Germans like to complain as well and find the, the negative, right? And what is not right. But I also do think that is human. But well, thinking about this uh, today, because I'm actually in Luxembourg, and Luxembourg is also a very rich country, very small, but uh, yeah, very rich and they have everything. And then I spend a year in Kenya and Africa where it's the complete opposite. And I was also thinking, but I think Kenyans are much happier. So why is that? And then I'm thinking, I don't know. What do you think? If you actually have to like survive, you maybe, you know, see more of the positive things you have than when you're actually so fortunate to have everything and you are so rich that you could buy anything. You could ask, you know, you could hear literally think, do I want a Porsche or Ferrari maybe, or do I want a Chanel or Gucci bag or, you know, and these kind of things. And then you get probably bored because you wonder, you know, what's the purpose and why am I here and what am I doing and why am I working and what am I spending this money on? And yeah, I think in, in other countries you, yeah, you have to think about just basically surviving And uh, then you're just grateful for to have food and have your family and to be healthy. And that makes you much happier. Yeah. And I think it's also, I mean, a set of priorities that we have, you know, in other countries like the U.S. or even Europe. I mean, it is such a consumer culture that, you know, it is constantly like the underlying competition of trying to compete with your neighbor and trying to one up and trying to have the newer, the fancier the brighter thing and and that's understandable in these consumer cultures whereas in those types of cultures the priority is family the priority is community the priority mm -hmm. is sharing food and it's like it's just so interesting because when you come from that consumer culture and you think like you don't have anything you don't have a thing physical things and you're so happy and it's i mean the value that they place on being close with a family member, the value they place on, you know, being able to come together on a Tuesday night and just play music and dance and have amazing food. I think that's really what's like at the core of it is like things we, we are, our egocentric view, I think of our part of the world is like, how much do you have? And for mm -hmm. them, it's, it's how much do you have? But in not in a physical sense, which I, I love, especially Latin American culture, Southeast Asian culture. It's this community of people that are just dancing and food and laughter and yeah, very little physical items, which I mm -hmm. think, uh, you know, to step away from that when you've been fed that your entire life is just a very new concept. Yeah. yeah. Right. Sure. Yeah. So, but then you've been traveling for eight years. When was and you did one year au pair in New Zealand? When was the first time you came back to the states? Oh wow! So actually, I did the so I did 2014 to 2015 in New Zealand. Um, I came back to the U.S. Um, for a year and a half, and that was to become a travel agent or a tour consultant. Mm. Um, and there was reverse culture shock, right? You have, you normally have culture shock when you go into a new culture you've never experienced before. But I came back to the United States and I was like thinking, what is happening here? Like, I don't know. I just felt like very confused. And also this happens every single time I come home, regardless of which country I go to. American grocery stores stress me out when I come home. 
I have been so adapted to market culture, like like physical market culture, where you go to the market and you have vegetables, you have a fruit stand, you have a meat stand, you have maybe three or four options of cleaning supplies, and that's it. Whereas in America, I mean, you go into a grocery store and it's almost like a hospital because the lights are so bright and there's just so much space and there's so many aisles and there's so many brands and you don't even know which one to pick. And then the food in America, it's it's so disappointing that almost everything has some sort of added sugar to it. Mm-hmm. I can't find peanut butter without sugar. I can't find... Like I can't find milk without like sugar. It it's it's very interesting. But I would say, the first time I came back, I was like, oh god. But then after coming back from like countries like Asia or South America and coming back to the United States, that reverse culture shock is mm. intense. Intense. Yeah, I can yeah. imagine. <clears throat> yeah, I was uh, got very. Yeah, frustrated as well. And I lived in in Chicago. I was uh, also going to one of these. I was just picturing the supermarket. And also, I mean, it's so expensive. I bought like, you know, I still have a picture on my phone of my shopping basket with my like 10 things inside just for myself for like, I don't know, three days. And it was like $200. Uh, Yeah. And uh, really to find also healthy food and to find non-packaged food and to find, you know, like a market and as you say, just fresh vegetables on the street. And yeah, but yeah, I understand that definitely. It's tough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm back home. It, it was last weekend. We uh, I, I did my grocery shopping and it is more expensive to purchase fruits and vegetables than it is to purchase the packaged options and i'm just thinking how flawed is that that packaged option is more is less expensive and it's understandable than why you know we have so many health problems in the united mm. states because it's more it's cheaper to buy the packaged food and you know even the fruits and vegetables they're picked so early cuz you're servicing a nation of 350 million people mm. that the fruits are not able to mature so they don't have the same like juiciness like oh going to south america whenever i come home it's always like someone bring me a bag of mangoes because i will never find these kind of mangoes in the united states it's just not possible um yeah, but yeah it's just so expensive to eat healthy and naturally in the united yeah. states which is probably why there's a lot of you know there's there's a mental health crisis as well mm. it's also having to do with our digestive health yeah but it's also interesting, right? Because I guess there, I mean, of course, there's the um like the offer of all of that in the in the stores, but then there's also the demand on the other side. So that would probably help if more Americans start to travel, experience how fruits and vegetables could actually taste, and then demanding this more. So that would probably change also the the market, right? Because yeah. as a consumer, you can um, yeah influence what they are actually selling and producing and and so on. But it kind of starts with that, and it's uh, yeah <laughs> probably takes some time to to change, but. Yeah. So, and then you became, okay, travel agent, then you took people from America to different places or how did that work? Yeah. So I did a couple, uh, yeah, I, 
The thing is, I've just had so many beautiful, odd jobs. Um, so I was a tour consultant. Um, I essentially was, this is the part that killed me. I wanted to be in travel. I was like, all right, let's get a travel agent job or a tour consultant, something that has to do with travel. But with this, I'm sitting in an office mm. looking out at this beautiful cityscape of Boston. I was in Boston at the time. And from nine to five, I say five generously, that was more like eight because in sales, uh, you obviously put in the time. But for 12 hours a day, I am talking about traveling. I'm sending people all over the globe. I am telling people how amazing a new city would be that they've never been to. And I'm sitting in this office chair. And once a year, we do have a free trip, which was amazing. I picked um, our trip of Budapest, Vienna, Prague, three days each city. Amazing. I had such a good time. Um, I was with our clients. I'm basically traveling as a quality assurance type of person at that point, because that's how you get your trip once a year. You have to essentially work a portion of the time. Mm. Um, but that was so deadening. I like, how can I sit here 12 hours a day, talk about travel and be not traveling? That's mm -hmm. That was just the disappointing part of it. Um, so I collected up all of my sales, my sales commission checks. And after a year and a half, of working six days a week, sometimes 12 hours a day, sometimes um, I took one year in Southeast Asia, no working, just backpacking, just do wow. whatever I want, when I want, how I want, whatever that means. Um, and that, that was where I picked up little volunteer opportunities more than anything. So like I said, like English teacher in Thailand. Um, and then I worked in a hotel in Malaysia, just in the jungle in this like this resort type of hotel that did like meditation retreats and retreats mm. for corporations. Um, I was at after that I started nannying in London, um, fell in love with a man from London. Oh God. Mm -hmm. Fell in love with a man from London, moved to London, became a nanny there for a year and yeah. And then became a digital nomad quickly after that. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Right, cool. So digital nomad. And then you said you started your own company. So you're helping Americans. So what do you think is the biggest challenge or what do you hear from your clients then? What is holding them back from traveling? Yeah. You know, it's so funny. I'm still in the very beginning phases. So I'm doing like a lot of market research and I'm doing a lot of, you know, just basic interviews with people, just understanding. And there, I think it's just, I'm, I'm working against a very, long lived mentality in America where you work online, you stay at home, you work at home and you go to the gym and then you go home and you go to sleep and then you rinse and repeat and you just do it again. Mm. So I'm working against a mentality of staying in America. So a majority of people who've actually reached out to me, even though I'm targeting Americans, the majority of people who have reached out to me are from countries in South and Central America who are dying to get a remote job mm -hmm. um, because remote jobs just aren't as available like they are in the United States. Um, so it's been really challenging to work with them because they, I have to find remote jobs for them. And they really want to travel. Whereas with Americans, they already have a remote jobs, but they're not 
they don't understand the type of travel that is available to them. Mm. Um, so it's like I'm working against a very deep seated mentality that you need to just stay in America. Um, so that's how I've been trying to like promote like, well, would you want to be a nomad for maybe like one week in a different country? Like give it a try. And then they're like, oh, yeah, that would be kind of interesting. But it just kind of like it's not motivating them as much as it should. Um, so I, what I'm doing now is like, okay, we need to backtrack. How do I motivate people to travel? How do I motivate people to want to live in another country and experience different cultures? Um, so that's where I'm like now working more towards building more content to showcase how it's done and kind of get rid of any of the stigmas, right? Of like, you know, street food is, is dirty. Like that's, you know, something that I think some Americans might think maybe I thought it when I first started traveling and like showing people how good street food is and how mm. amazing the culture is around street food or letting go of the mentality that's expensive to travel and showing people step-by-step, step, like, this is how much it costs this Airbnb. This is how much the flight costs. And this is how much living expenses cost. And then comparing it to what the Amer the average American rent plus food plus accommodations or whatever, you know, your budget is. So I'm like backtracking. I'm like, okay, wait, I'm going against a very deep seated way of living. How do I showcase it in comparison of what it currently is. So that's kind of where I am right now, um, trying to convince Americans that it's possible and that there's also different ways of living outside of the U.S. That yeah. then just go to work five days a week, party, have fun, see family on the weekend, and then do it all over again. There's more yeah. that you can see. And to have a remote job, once again, is such a privilege, same as you said with the plastic that with the passport, uh, um, Americans don't understand the privilege that they have in the global sense. And that's trying, that's essentially what I'm trying to teach. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, definitely. I don't think <laughs> they do, but, yeah. um, so is it easy? I mean, if you have a, a remote job, can you leave the country because as an American, you need a, a visa, right. To go, I mean, to, go for longer somewhere so you would just encourage them to try so you say for a week or for a month right because you'd be limited you could not really go somewhere for a year and just work remotely could yeah yeah and I think it's also like the education of that as well because there are so many countries that are rolling out digital nomad visas mm -hmm. and like the income requirements for these digital nomad visas are so reasonable I mean The average Amer I mean, I believe the average income uh, or the average salary in the United States is something between like 40 and 50,000. Mm -hmm. And that's the average. I mean, obviously, there's a variety, but for any remote career, it is so attainable to get that salary. And that salary is equivalent to the income requirement to get these digital nomad visas. Like, for instance, um, Colombia is in the process process right now of a digital nomad visa and you have to prove health insurance um you're obviously a passport and that you make a minimum of like a thousand dollars a month which mm -hmm. for americans i mean most americans who have a full-time job make double that sometimes yeah. um and that's it's just so attainable it 
it's just education more than anything. And Mm -hmm. I think that's really what I'm offering to the table is like, you can do this and you can do this for long periods of time. And now here are countries that want you to come live there so that Mm -hmm. you can use those American dollars in this country Uh and live here full time. So is this global ever since the pandemic? I mean, this is, it's great. I, I, it, it was a really challenging time, but it's proven that the remote world and the digital world of working online is so available and being able to travel is now the next opportunity to get countries like Colombia or Montenegro or, you know, countries that don't get tourism as much Mm. to encourage people to live in their country rather than just visiting. And they can do so on an American salary. Yeah. I think Indonesia actually is offering a 10 year. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's so there's like a list and I'm like there like I said Colombia I just saw the news article yesterday and I'm like oh my god that's such a good one especially South and Central America when you have to stay in US time zones like yeah. those are, those countries I'm like go Colombia come on Colombia yeah you can do it <laughs> True very good So you think also like digital nomading probably nomading come becomes a new tourism Instead of just traveling yeah. and backpacking and yeah, you said like au pair and all these things. It's like people just travel becoming the digital nomads in the future. It, yeah, I mean, it's and there's communities of these types of people. I mean, I'm a part of two separate communities that we are just we we are identifying ourselves as digital nomads. And that's where we find the connection. And we're mm-hmm. constantly you know, encouraging people to go to different countries, different cities. Um, there's conferences. I'll be in a conference actually in Cape Town, South Africa, in November with one of the um, organizations. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's really just, it's becoming a digital world, which is, I mean, it has both sides of the coin, but it's making the world so much more open and accessible to anybody who is interested in seeing the world through a, uh, like a, a, a living perspective rather than just a tourist perspective, mm. which I think is a very different way of traveling. Yeah. Yeah. Because I do think that's the next step as well, because I think, I mean, Europeans probably like to travel more, but also it's so easy. You can, you know, if you live in Germany, depending where, but you can drive within four hours. I mean, from Munich, my hometown, you can go to six different countries, I think. Yeah. So that's just, yeah, so it's so normal that you would travel. But I think this leaving actually your your place and going somewhere else to live somewhere, at least for a couple of months or even, you know, for a couple of years and just try it. Um, I mean, that's also still something people are a little bit, you know, skeptical about. And I was like, can you really do it? And how do you do it? So I think it starts there, educating people how you can do it and why you should do it also. Yeah, for sure. It's it's available to us. And I think this there's just so many social systems in place that are like also causing people to, you know, delay being able to, you know, find a place where they're going to settle for X amount of years, have a family, get married. I feel like that. Um, I mean, I see we see that in the news. We see that in research that people are delaying the time that they are wanting to settle down and take those, um, you know, those particular life 
life experiences. Um, so that's more time to go travel, see the world, go, go try something new, discover who you are, discover how you are in an environment where you don't know anything and you have to figure it out for yourself. That's a lot of personal development that you can accomplish in your twenties and thirties and forties. If you do decide that as well. True. Right. True. Yeah. So what would you say is your then biggest learning if you're thinking about personal development in the time you spend abroad? Yeah, that's a great question. Oh, I think it's, I mean, it's just kind of this philosophy that I've been living by for, for this entire time. Um, I just always say like, do it for the story. <laughs> like I, I, I love to write. I have my own journal. I've been writing about my travels, uh, for the past eight years. Um, but just, I mean, seizing these opportunities when they become available to you, just because this moment is not going to pass again. I, it mm. may, but it's never going to be the same. Your mentality won't be the same. The people around you won't be the same. The environment won't be the same. You may go to a country or a city, have a, an incredible experience, go back six months later, and it's not that experience because mm. it's it wasn't where you were developmentally at the time. Um, so personally, I I mean this present awareness. Um, I love to read. Now I was never a reader. I I, I mean I like to read more like research when I was in university, but now I mean. I'm all about those self-improvement books and self-development. But what they're all saying is to remain in the present moment because that's where the experiences actually exist. You know, mm. of Now by Eckhart Tolle, The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, um, The Alchemist, Paolo Coelho, this, this idea that when you remain present, you're taking all the opportunities that are in front of you as they're supposed to be delivered to you at that particular moment. Yeah. Um, we get so caught up in our brains and we're all up here all the time and we're all, you know, we're, we're anxious and we're depressed because we're anxious because the future, we're depressed because of the past. Uh -huh. um, we're, 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 when we're there, we're not actually here. You can't, you can't be in that headspace when you're in the current moment. And if you can make changes to the current moment, then do so. You have control over your happiness. You have control over your emotions. You have control over your environment. Um, I understand. And that's not to be egocentric. I have created the life I've created because I created it. And I understand people are coming from all different wake, walks of life. And I've I've met many people from different walks of life and in, in travel. But when I'm actually able to sit down and have a one-on-one con -on -one conversation with somebody, you are so present in that moment. You learn so much about that person. When you're having a story, when you're having an experience, you're so present in that moment that other things just don't exist. And that's when you feel that uh, that feeling of being truly alive because you're here you're not there you're not back there you're not ahead of there you're you're in the present moment so per personally professionally the present moment and understanding that every day is such a beautiful experience as long as you make it that way mm. yeah Very true. Beautiful set. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Well, um, now again, I could ask, yeah, 
I mean, so many questions on that. You already answered the last question you usually ask about a book recommendation. Now you already named three. I do think they all have been named. I'm not sure about the four agreements, but definitely Paolo Coelho and uh, the Eckhart Tolle, they are high on the list. Is there another one? Just because now I understand that you're reading a lot. Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, really? I read The Alchemist every single year, once a year. Um, I, I mean... We all have a call to a journey. Um, We all are here for a purpose. And when we see what's happening in front of us because we're present, that's when the magic happens. That's when we're living truly within our purpose. Because I think we get so caught up in like, well, what's my purpose in life? Like, what am I doing? And it's like, well, when you're thinking about it, that's when you don't know because you're thinking about it. That's not the, that's not the purpose. The purpose is living and you will naturally attract the things that are coming to you because it's a part of who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, those ones I think are like top of my list. Cause I, mm-hmm. I do go back to them power of now. I will go back on a daily basis. That's like, um, I would consider that like my personal Bible, Bible. <laughs> just to, you know, if I'm having a weird day and And I'm like, God, what is happening? I will just open a page. Doesn't matter what page. I'll read the page. And usually it has something to do with the problem because that's how present awareness works. Uh, You attract it. Um, And it's it's so relatable in any sense. Um, Yeah, I think those are the two. Okay, very good. I mean, they are amazing books. So definitely. And it's also cool that you go back to them and actually reread them because I think often we just read a book to read the book and then, you know, we put it away instead of really, I guess taking in the lessons um, yeah. so yeah very good and uh, you said already I mean when you're having a conversation with somebody is that what you would say is keeping you in the present moment or do you have another tool or something mm. you know I think when I you know when I meet people for the first time because I have a background in psychology um, it's really I'm really trying to deep dive deep into like who you are And, um, I think that's also been really helpful with, um, also my mediumship. So also offering psychic medium readings is it's really, I mean, you are interpreting somebody from an entirely different perspective. So although there's parts of me, that's like, stay in the present moment. And like, I want you to learn these things. It's sometimes people are not ready to learn that part of the journey in their particular lives. So I will always just ask, I'm very much known for this. I will meet someone and I will immediately go so deep into like, what makes you like really happy instead of like, what do you do for work? Cause I hate that question. (laughs) Americans. I, it just, it, it irritates me that question. Um, what do you do for work? I ask people cause I want to encourage people to get remote jobs. That's for the business. (laughs) Um, But the question I'm always asking is like, what are you passionate about? What do you enjoy doing every day? How do you spend your time? Like, what is something that you really think has made an impact on your life? Like the conversation we're having right now is Mm -hmm. very similar to conversations I really love having with strangers because they've never been asked those things before for whatever reason. I'm not sure, but they're like, no one's ever asked me this before. And I'm like, okay, so what's your answer? And they have to think about it. And I really love that. So I think this present awareness, but also just understanding that 
we're all coming from totally different experiences. And I have no idea what your life is like. You have no idea what my life is like, but we can work together to understand that if we stay in the present, we are living within our purpose so that mm-hmm. our lives equally are going to bring us in the path that they were meant to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. What kind of feedback do you get? Because I think it's so cool. And I think it may, uh, that would have been another question if you're using yeah. your, your background in psychology in a way, actually. But so, yeah, if you ask that to strangers, would they all be just, okay, surprised and thinking about it, but then give you an answer? Or would people also have resistance or not wanting to talk, you know, like, what are you asking me? Yeah, you know, I've had... I mean, I the so I would say the people who have answered and have had who have answered thoughtfully, those are the people who become my like my homies. Like they become my friends, my life friends, because those are the people I want to maintain in my in, inner circle. I need deep thinkers. I need people who think beyond the status quo, beyond what they've been taught to understand different perspectives. Um, but people who don't know how to respond, I think because they just have never thought at that level before about their own existence. And, 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 and that's totally, that's okay. Like you just haven't thought this deeply before because you've maybe remained at surface level for whatever reason, whether that's through, you know, you're just your personal preferences, your lifestyle. Some people just don't think that deeply in period. Um, they don't read and you know, enough to maybe even think at a intellectual level, maybe they haven't had the, the ability to have an advanced education. Um, but I think it's also just when you're having, when you're asking those questions and people feel uncomfortable, I think it's that psychology therapist in me that I always wanted to be where I'm just like, okay, maybe let me ask you a a more simple question. Like, tell me something that you, tell me a memory that you loved. Like, why did you love that memory? What, what about it was so exciting. Um, so I never give up on people when they maybe can't answer like a deep intellectual question. It's more just like, okay, well, what can you tell me? Cause I want mm. to know who you are deep down as a person. Yeah. And that's, that's psychology. That's the psychology in me. That's like, when I went to college and I'm like, I'm going to be a psychologist. I'm going to be a therapist. I'm going to be a childhood psychologist. That's what it's going to be. Um, I'm still a psychologist. I don't have the PhD to prove it, but I have 30 countries of experiences to kind of use as my own form of therapy um, around the world. So, yeah. yeah. Nice. Very good. But I think that's very inspiring. And I would like to, I mean, people to think about that. Could you actually, you know, ask deeper questions and not just even to strangers, but I'm also always saying that also your friends or even your partner or people you talk all the time to, like, I also like to ask these questions, you know, was maybe, I don't know, the happiest moment of your day so far, like, you know, or what. I don't know. Was there any challenge today? Like I get so much more out if I ask, yeah, what have you done? Yeah, I went to work and then I came back and then I ate and then, you know, and I have no idea how that person was feeling. Actually, So you can ask so many more deeper questions to get a conversation. And I feel in that conversation, then you also have a connection. And when you have the connection, then you're also in the present moment. So that's what I understood from you saying. Yeah. 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 One-on-one, one-on-one conversations is is really I would say personally my my strength is just really diving deep into someone's psyche and understanding them from where they're coming from and 
trying my best to adapt to what their needs are, but also letting them just speak their truth and whatever their truth is, like accepting them as they are, because those are the cards they were dealt and, and just letting them have their human experience and Mm. being present in that particular moment, because now by them being present in this particular moment, I am a part of their journey as well, which is kind of a, a cool experience seeing seeing all the people I've seen across the globe and just knowing that I was a small portion of their experience by asking these really deep questions. Yeah. 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 Nice. So there we, well, there we go again, right? That there's a purpose and you have yeah. a purpose and you're making a difference also. I mean, no matter yeah, how yeah. many people you influence, if you're just speaking to one single person, you're making a difference in their yeah. life. And then if you speak to so many people, actually, you probably made a difference in many people's lives. So yeah. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> um, I also wanted to ask you about, so you told me before, you've uh, tried ayahuasca and uh, mushrooms on your way as well. So I had a, a big interview on ayahuasca, but if you can tell us a little bit more about your experience with uh, mushrooms, because yeah, uh, thankfully the, the world is opening up to psychedelics and microdosing and all of these things. So Yeah. <laughs> It makes me so excited. Um, even on Netflix, they have a new documentary called How to Change Your Mind, yes. um, the four-part series. Oh, my God. It is so exciting. Um, so, yeah, I did. I So I had my four, my four ayahuasca ceremonies in the um, jungle of Peru in Iquitos, uh, or Nauta, which is close to Iquitos. And um, that came after a time of really heavy, 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 um, you know, depression. Um, and, and I needed something to get me out. And, and mental health is very prevalent in my family. And after ayahuasca, I just started developing these, these very deep um, psychic abilities, right? So then I started my my psychic abilities of when I was a kid started coming back and I'm thinking, well, this is weird. Um, and then I was sitting with somebody after I was living in Peru at the time and someone said they had mushrooms. And I was like, oh, I went to Amsterdam one time to, you know, had mushrooms and went to the Van Gogh Museum. Like, yeah, I, I know what mushrooms are, but once I had these mushrooms that this woman who was cultivating I was like, whoa, this is like, this is an experience. This is beautiful. Like this, the patterns and and the lessons that are behind it. And then I'm thinking, okay, well, I love ayahuasca. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful plant medicine, but this is an intense plant medicine. Mm-hmm. I, I don't recommend it for anybody. If it's called to you, you will do it, but it's not something I'd be like, oh yeah, you should definitely do it. It's, it's your personal journey. And if if you believe ayahuasca is going to help you, then please follow the call. But with mushrooms, it is, they're the children of the forest. They're the little, the cutest little mushrooms. And once I started with mushrooms, I just kept going. I started doing it once a month. Like I would have a, you know, a three to four gram trip once a month. Um, And it didn't, didn't matter where in the world I was they found me. They Mushrooms found me. I would step into a country and I would say, I'm going to find mushrooms. And somebody would be connected and they would find me. And I would continue to do mushrooms. And 
Um, I've done mushrooms in multiple countries and different parts of the globe. And each journey has been different. I started offering it to friends as well um, who wanted to have this experience and being a guide for them so that if their journey starts going in a direction that they're not ready to experience, I can be there as a space holder, which we always have space holders in large ceremonies. And then in February of this year, um, I have been looking for an in-person cultivation course for mushrooms for almost a year now, and everything's been online. So I, I kind of gave up for that. But then in February, I stumbled upon a cultivation course in Lake Atitlan in Guatemala. I was living in Mexico at the time, so it was just a one-hour flight. I went to this cultivation course and I just knew, like I knew with the people I was surrounded with, I knew with the mushrooms that we were working with that this was a part of my journey. Mushrooms, understanding mushrooms, teaching people about mushrooms, um, understanding the benefits of mushrooms. And then Netflix comes out with this documentary about mm -hmm. psilocybin and I don't need to do the teaching anymore. I can just say, okay, yes, you're learning from me, but watch this documentary. Yeah. And that one, fantastic fungi. I mean, they're just psychedelics are starting to come out of the woodworks as something that can really help us, um, especially from the research in the 50s and 60s before the war on drugs in the United States. Um, that was something I studied as well. Um, but there are so many health benefits to psych psychedelics, especially mushrooms. And but tell us a little bit, because everybody should watch the documentary and put it in the show notes, but tell us yeah. a little bit about the benefits for your, from yours. I mean, from my perspective. Yeah, of course. So, um, I mean, once again, I think like so many people, I, I struggle with depression and I, it's, it's been my entire life. It comes from, a, a, I would say a fairly traumatic childhood of, of, um, transitioning and, and, um, you know, a really difficult divorce, but once a month when I do mushrooms, I truly feel like I get a reset. Like I get in, and it's not even, it's not the type of reset that you get. Like, it's kind of like the reset you get after you go for a really amazing run. Like you're running and like your endorphins are up and you're just like, oh my God, this is great for my body. And then you come out of it And after the working out, you feel like, wow, I feel so powerful. I feel so strong. I'm so proud of myself for doing that. I feel so accomplished. And once I do mushrooms, I feel that way for months at a time. And then I'll notice I'm like, okay, I'm starting to dip back into like anxious thoughts and confusion and thinking about the past too much. And I mean, what mushrooms are doing is they're reconnecting and they're putting, I mean, they're, it's, it's once again, it's in the stomach because you're eating them, you're consuming them, but it's just the power of mushrooms and what they do to your entire body and especially your brain. Um, it's really has made an impact for me, especially more than anything, just especially mm -hmm. with mental health problems. Um, I did therapy for a while. I did prescription medication for a while. And mushrooms also on this natural kick that we're going on across the globe, which makes me so excited, um, to be able to find a medicine that comes from the earth and you pick it up and you ingest it and it does what it's supposed to do is just clearly a tell a tall telling sign is that what you call it is a sign that the earth can heal us and i'm so much more connected to the earth than i ever have been before and that's 
that's had a really positive impact on my mental health more than anything. Yeah, nice. That makes sense. Well, I'm glad you found them for sure. And uh, what would you say was your most, I don't know, magical experience with mushrooms? Yeah, that's that. Yeah, I I know exactly what it is. So I um, so when I went to the cultivation course, I um, I was surrounded by ten other students who also love mushrooms as much as I do. I'm surrounded by a staff of people who work with mushrooms full time. Um, so I said to myself, I'm ready to take um what they consider the hero's dose, which is a five gram dose. Um, and I was surrounded by so many space holders. I was surrounded by people who are loving and accepting and understand mushrooms and love mushrooms the same way I do. Um, so it was a very deep experience where, um, uh, I actually started speaking to myself, my con my subconscious, the mushrooms. And what I was really trying to attack was, um, patterns. Um, so, I mean, I saw these patterns in the forest cause it was a nighttime ceremony. And I saw these patterns and I spoke to them and I said, how do you break a pattern? Because there's a lot of patterns that I personally want to let go of. And this fractal experience, in order to create a new pattern or in order to break a pattern, you have to create a new pattern because patterns are going to continue to exist regardless. Mm -hmm. So they were showing me, you know, these squares of this image and then the square of the image started breaking into new images and new pictures. So um, that was the deepest part of my experience was to understand that if I want to, you know, if I want to change my life, if I want to stop Uh, you know, thinking negatively, if I want to change the way that I view love, if I want to stop, you know, attracting certain types of people or situations into my life, instead of always looking at this, like, I need to change, I need to change. It's like, okay, well, if I'm going to change, what is the pattern I'm going to, what is the new pattern I'm going to create out of this? And that will bring me through this, this sense of, of a new, pattern and a more helpful pattern to the, to the journey that I want to take. Mm. Um, so yeah, that was, that was intense. Um, that was very intense and I would have only done that around people who were space holding people who have worked with mushrooms for a long time, people who knew what they were doing and were taking care of me the entire time. And I was in very, very good hands. So I was really happy to have the ability to take that, take mm. that here. Nice. Yeah. But yeah, that makes absolutely sense, right? Even from a psychological uh, psychological point of view that you have to start focusing on what you want and where you want to go instead of focusing what you don't want because then the universe doesn't really understand the I don't want this and this, right? So you send all your energy to the negative and just focusing on that so much. So you're sending the the energy there instead of then yeah, sending it to the to the way you want to go, to the right direction to yeah. Yeah, for right. sure. Nice. New patterns are just a just a a replacement for old patterns and you just have yeah. to create that new pattern. Mm. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Well, thank you, Mish, for sharing your story and your insights. And at the end of the podcast, I always ask the same three questions. So number one is, what does happiness mean to you? Mm. It's so funny because I, 
I've been on a kick of understanding emotions as a temporary experience. And for me, happiness is truly contentment in the current moment, whether it's a positive temporary experience or a negative temporary, call it negative temporary experience. So happiness is being present in happiness. Happiness is remaining present in really difficult times. Happiness is being aware that I'm sad right now and this is a temporary moment and I'm going to move past this. And happiness is also traveling for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel most present. I feel most alive. I feel most content when I am exploring the globe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you do to be happy? That's maybe one of the travel, (laughs) travel, um, (laughs) travel, but also, um, yeah, once again, being, being present, being, being open to opportunities, um, meeting people, meeting new places, exploring new cultures, exploring new food. It's about being in the present moment. Um, so my happiness does come in the present moment and it's best assisted when I'm traveling. Yeah. Mm, nice. Yeah. And what was the happiest moment in your life? Whoa. I just, I mean, when you said that, I just had like, like a re- like almost like people who say they see their entire life flash before their eyes when right before they pass on that just like happened to me um my happiest moment i'm 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 very fortunate to say that i have so many happy memories um i would say the happiest memory i've had maybe within the past year is when i got off the plane in Colombia. Ooh, I'm starting to get emotional about it because I was emotional at the time. When I set out to visit 30 countries by 30, I thought it was kind of a joke. Like I kind of was like, oh yeah, 30 by 30. And and I was with my two best friends at the time who decided to travel with me. And then I got into Colombia. I had four other friends who came to visit me and to accomplish something that I thought the bar was so high and I just beyond my expectations um, to step down. It was the happiest and saddest moment. It was happy because I completed a goal, but it was the saddest because I had finished the goal. It was never about getting to the 30 countries. Mm. It was a a journey of getting to the 30 countries. Um, But yeah, stepping into to that uh, Medellin airport and just thinking, holy snap, I did it. I did it. Like I, I, I just did 30 countries in eight years. So I would call that the happiest moment, nice. most happiest moment. Mm-hmm. But I think, I mean, you still have 135 to go. So I don't think it's over. No, you know? <laughs> not, definitely not. I just, yeah, that was, uh, it's, it's about the journey. It's the present. 100, sorry. 165 actually. <laughs> Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. The hundred. Yeah. hundred. Yeah. Uh, yeah. ninety-five, right? Almost. Ninety-six. Quarter of the way there. Uh, almost. Yeah. Almost. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very good. Did you think so? If you would talk to your 22-year-old self, like, would you believe <laughs> what you've done now? 
not a chance. Um, at 22, I had ended a five-year relationship. I had just finished college. I was like, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, if 22-year-old self was given the story of what happened in the last eight years, I think I would have just been like, there's no way that's me. There's no way that that's about me. Um, yeah, she would have she she would have been so confused and so like no way. That is cool. And and I'm very yeah, I'm very proud to say that. I'm very proud to say that 22 year old self would be really really proud, really proud and confused and excited about where <laughs> I. But what would you tell her if you could meet her and have coffee with her? Oh, wow. You're in for a long journey. <laughs> um, this is not a sprint. This is a marathon. Because um, I, I think at that time, I always wanted instant gratification, whatever that may be, um, in relationships, in partying. And it was always instant gratification. Whereas now it's embracing the process embrace this particular moment this moment is never going to come again um you're you're likely never going back to that city you're likely never going back to that country because you are you have such a mindset where you're going to just keep wanting to learn more and see more and um yeah just i think more than anything you are your biggest lesson Your biggest lesson of this next eight years is embracing being alone and being and and embracing loneliness. And that is your superpower. That is going to be your superpower because if you can combat that feeling to enjoy everything that's happening in front of you, you'll never feel alone. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I get, like the idea of like a conversation with my 22 year old self. I'm like, oh, wow. What a, that would be a, that would be a very interesting. Yeah. If only we had the opportunity to do so. That would yeah. be a very in interesting conversation. But I think, I think we do in a way. And I do think also sometimes I'm probably having a conversation with my own, I don't know, 80 year old self or 100 year old self. And yeah. sometimes when we, I don't know, receive some, some guidance or our intuition, it's probably our future self talking to us, telling us, you know, when you get this feeling, okay, like it's hard now and I'm struggling, but I know everything is going to be all right like that voice in your mind I do believe it's us coming back so I do believe just right now you know there's something in a parallel universe that your 22 year old self actually somehow felt you saying that and that's maybe why you started the journey in the first place <laughs> yeah I'd say so I I mean I've definitely done a lot of inner work as well inner child work through this process of personal development professional development And yeah, speaking to even five-year-old self, they're like, you know, they do a lot of exercises like that. And yeah. five-year-old self is like, you live in Mexico? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, but what's in Mexico? And it's just so, it's so, it's so sweet. I, I, I know how I would think at that time. And if you told me I would be 30 years old, that I have traveled the world, that I've started a business, that I've, you know, that I've accomplished all these things, I... Yeah, sometimes I, I almost feel like I'm 
I'm writing someone else's story sometimes because mm-hmm. it it's it's I I've been very very honored with an incredible life that I have I myself have worked really hard to create. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But as you said, you created yourself, so Yeah. 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 Wow. Well, I think we keep it there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was beautiful talking to you. Thank you Same again you. for sharing the story. And yeah, I hope there are so many more countries and experiences and happy moments to come and that you will inspire so many Americans. So I know there are Americans listening to the podcast. So guys, <laughs> get out there and explore the world and also explore yourself and start that journey and don't be scared and Is there anything I, I didn't ask you you want to share? No, no. I, I, I mean, philosophy, do it for the story. We have a very short-lived experience, a temporary experience on earth. Just do it for the story because the story is the best part of the journey. That's mm-hmm. more than anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> All the best to you. <laughs> Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate this. Thank you so much for allowing me to be in this space. And yeah, these these conversations are really, really amazing. So thank you also for living in your purpose. <laughs> thank you so much for listening until the end of the interview. And I hope you could take something away for yourself. Please jump over to my Instagram and let me know, comment what you took away for yourself, share the podcast with your friends, leave me a review or like and subscribe to my channel. That means the world to me and I'm always so happy when I meet you and you're telling me that you've been listening to my podcast. Uh, just happened uh, last Sunday when I attended my first yoga competition in Belgium which was also an incredible experience you can see also more about that on my instagram um, but yeah i love it so when you're listening and you meet me please let me know let's talk about the podcast if you ever want to be a guest on the podcast then let me know as well uh, if you have an inspiring story to share and yeah I thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I wish you a wonderful day, no matter where in the world you are. And I see you here again next week. Love and namaste.